Hey, a few announcements this morning as we uh, as we get into a two-part series, uh, a, a vision series, uh, 2020 vision. I'm sure every pastor in the world just waited for this year to be able to do a series called 2020 vision because it's... So I did too. Uh, and here we are. It'll be two weeks and we're just going to, we're going to talk about what God has been doing. And then next week we're going to talk a little bit more about what we think he's going to do next. Uh, so get ready for that. If you want to open your Bibles, if you have them with you, we'll be in Joshua 4. So you can check that out. A couple things. This Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, in this space right here, we'll be gathering our City Life students. And it's South Everett's time of the year to prepare and share a meal with the students from City Life. And so that'll be going on in this space. As Hal has told us in the past, this space looks markedly different on a Tuesday evening or a Thursday evening than it does necessarily on a Sunday morning. I was sitting right about where Joan and Lisa are sitting this last week just playing Yahtzee with high school students for an hour or more and teaching them how to play and learning from them and laughing and joking and then praying together and spending time together. This is just a hub. This is just a place. And we are no less the church when we gather and play Yahtzee on Thursday in the back room than we are when we all gather here on Sunday morning because the church is not defined by time or space. It's defined by the people of God filled with His Spirit. And if you would like to participate more in that, uh, get to know some kids, come and help prepare a meal, just be together with, that'll be going on on Tuesday night. I think the team's going to show up at 6.15. And, and uh, even if you just want to be an observer, you don't, wanna, you don't have to say anything or speak, but just want to be present to see what's going on, you're more than welcome to come. Please do let Colleen know right here in the front if you plan to do that this Tuesday evening. Uh, mostly that's our prayer group that gathers also on Tuesdays about a dozen people to pray for the needs of the church and the community. Once a month, they serve a meal. Secondly, it's good to know that on February 7th, which is a Friday, there's going to be a great big celebration for the McNeil family, for Todd and Mary McNeil and their kids, for 18 years of faithful and generous giving in this community on Casino Road. Building programs for kids to play soccer, building uh, programs for kids coming out of homes and into foster care to have a safe space to be, and just generally being good in the neighborhood. The neighborhood calls has called Todd the, the father of Casino Road. And him and Tyrone have worked closely together for years. And, and Tyrone continues on a lot of that work in partnership with us. Uh, it, but we're going to go and celebrate because Todd is moving into a new season. Still will be actively in, engaged in the life of this church, uh, but has set aside the responsibilities of a hand-in-hand, as many of you know. But we're just going to celebrate him along with Mill Creek Foursquare on February 7th. So between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m., there'll be just an open house, a chance to kick it with them. We're just really glad they're a part of our neighborhood, part of our family. And then thirdly, what I wanted to share with you is in two weeks... Um, We're going to be uh, kicking off a series that I've known since I've gotten here that we uh, are are, are to do, a set of studies that are really, really important for us uh, around the area of sexuality, culture, and the Bible. And that'll be a four-week series. We're living in different times than we ever have before. And still more than ever, I believe that the Bible has something to say, God has something to say about our sexuality. He has clearly defined terms for us, uh, founded in grace, wrapped, or it's founded in truth, but wrapped in grace for us to be able to walk out the plans that he has. And the further, I believe, as our culture has slipped away from our identity in Jesus, we've started finding our identity in other things, and it's just made things messy. The church, not just this congregation, but the church as a whole, um, I believe that we can do better 
in our interactions with people that have questions about sexuality. I don't have any problem with our orthodoxy, which is our belief. Um, I've been uh, confronted with some challenges concerning our orthopraxy, which is how we live out what we believe. And how do we understand a topic that the world is grappling with more? To be able to walk alongside people with grace and truth in every area of not just their lives because there's some uh, concerns or questions or uncertainties about their sexuality. I think we all have questions about our sexuality and what it means to be human and a child of God and to live out the gifts that he's given us. And so this is going to be this is going to be a good series. It will test us a little bit. It might make us feel um, a little bit uncomfortable at times. But rest assured, be grounded in the sense that there is a biblical truth that I stand on in regards to this. We're just going to go adventure around and ask ourselves some questions so we can be best equipped to help the world that we're called to reach and be in relationship with. Amen? Amen. That series starts in two weeks. We'll run for four weeks. Um, I can't read everybody's mind. I would venture to say that we're all maybe in a little bit different place in regards to where we stand on all this right now. Which happens when we don't talk about something for a really, really long time. And not just we, us, but the church, culture at large. And so what will help me intensely over the next few weeks is if, I'm sure, I'm not if, you have questions, you have concerns, you have opinions, send them to me, please, at chris at southeverett.org. I can't read everybody's mind. We won't necessarily address everything, but as we work together, because I'm just the shepherd of this flock, I need to know what sheep are thinking, what they're wondering, what they're questioning about. Nothing's off limits. Everything will be protected. I'm not going to say, hey, guess who shared what about this and that and the other thing. It's confidential. But it's a way for, for me to get a pulse on the life of the church to be able to guide us in grace and truth. Amen? So the sooner, the better. I don't care if I wake up tomorrow morning and there's 50 emails about this. I may not respond outside of just saying thank you for that at this time, but I'll be working to pull that content together. Uh, we're going to have a guest uh, speaker coming uh, in two weeks. His name is Cody Whittington. He's the pastor of The Table in Bozeman, Montana. And he has committed himself to understanding how sexuality in the church engage one another. Um, and so he's going to come and spend some time with us in kind of a discussion format. In that first week, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, come on out. Amen? Sound good? All right. Well, Jesus, as we engage your word this morning, um, God, it's an act of worship. We submit our hearts to you. Everything that we have is yours, Lord. None of, none of it is ours apart from you. You have given us all things. And so, Lord, we give you our attention, we give you our focus, we give you uh, our submitted hearts to change and, and, to, and to, to form, to encourage the way that you would see fit. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, 2020 Vision Part 1, who we are, what we've been up to, where we're going from here. I'm excited to spend this time with you. And just so you're aware of how we're going to use the next 35 minutes or so, this is not a sermon necessarily. This is a report. It's a report grounded uh, in a practice that we've been called by God to do, which is to stop and to reflect and take a look at where we've been and where we're going and why all of that matters. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, just briefly this morning, but it will set the context for where we're going and why we're going there today. Just a little bit of what was going on in Scripture leading up to Joshua, which is the fourth book of the Bible. Uh, Going back to the the very beginning, 
Uh, not quite the very beginning, but all the way back to Genesis 12, God chose Abram, who became Abraham, to be the father of the nation of Israel. Uh, and through four generations, the people of Israel, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel, and his favorite son, Joseph, becomes a leader, a prominent person within the context of the nation of Egypt. And it says that many, many of the people of Israel settled there. This is all towards the end of the book of Genesis. And then we find at the beginning of Exodus that 400 years has gone by, and the people who once prospered in a land are now suffering in oppression in the land. Ultimately, they end up as slaves of Pharaoh. But then through the line of Abraham, God raised up another servant named Moses, who would God, God would use to free his people from slavery. At Mount Sinai, God would reset the ground rules for the relationship with him. I love the way that God works. The Ten Commandments. All God is saying in truth and grace again is, hey, guess what? Let's start over. Like, let's just reset the rules for how this relationship is going to work. And so they do that, and the people repent, and they fall after God, and then they fall off again. But what is God saying to his people in the Ten Commandments? All he's saying is, look at me, see me, fix your eyes on me right here. I will lead you through this. Though everything around you doesn't make sense, though you go through trial, and you go through persecution, you go through hardship, I am with you, and I will walk with you through this. Just keep your eyes on me. And he used Moses as that tool to deliver that message. And for 40 years, God led his people through the servant Moses in the wilderness. Moses gathered all the people together outside of the promised land. And he said again, follow the commands God has given you. Not so that you get extra gold stars at the end of the day. Not for bragging rights. But that so the people around you, the Canaanites and all the folks in the land. This is what Moses says to his people gathered outside the promised land. So that those people will know what a relationship with God looks like. That's why you follow the rules. That's why you keep the commands. So the people see that what I've created is good. Just follow me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. It's, it's so easy. We still haven't figured it out. Thousands of years later. But it's something we can be called back to every day. Today, if I follow the commands, the instructions the Lord has given for me, others around me at the grocery store and the places where I go and the schools where I teach and the this and the that, they'll see what a relationship with God looks like. So Joshua picks up the story here, following the death of Moses. Joshua has been raised up by God to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. The word says that he is the new Moses. He's the new leader. And what does he do? The same thing Moses did. He calls the people to obey the commands of the Lord. He sends spies into the land, which went better for Joshua than it did for Moses in terms of sending spies into the land. But we pick up the story as God again makes a way for his people. There's a way for us always. Just as God split the Red Sea for the Israelites when they left Egypt and went into the wilderness, God stopped up the Jordan River and again provided a way for the people to go through. Once they'd consecrated themselves, once they did their 21-day dedicate fast, or whatever it is, it says that the people of God consecrated themselves, and then they gathered, and then they went. So we walk in these practices, not just because it's a good thing to do, but because the Bible says it's the best thing to do. And we've done that, church. We've, we've prepared ourselves. 
Not that we're crossing into a promised land after 40 years, but we're, every season we're walking into something new. God makes all things new. So we've consecrated ourselves. And, and there's a theme that develops for Joshua and the people. They established a pattern of looking back to the past in order to know where they're going in the future. And this is where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4, verses one through nine, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from white where the priests are standing, and carry them with you and put them down at the place where you are staying tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men, He had appointed from the Israelites, one from each of the tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord and your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. I love this. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are meant to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites. That's important, apparently. He says it six times. And the Lord uh, had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them into their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are still there to this day. These stones. It's a reason to stop and remember what God has done, especially in a culture that we move so quickly. Today is a day of encouragement. Today isn't, here's the thousand things we've got to do next year. This is, let's stop. Let's receive again from the Lord. And so even as, even as I share with you over the next few minutes, I... Don't frantically try to write down everything that I'm going to share with you. I will give it to you. This is, this, is like, this is like having something washed over you. The word of the Lord for us, the promises for the Lord for us, washed over us. And then to begin to share again, they say, if you don't cast vision every 21 days, you forget the vision. So it's been four months since we cast this vision. It was four months before that. It was four months before that. We've cast this vision four times, and I sit before the Lord, and I continue to ask Him to refine it. And He'll refine it again and again. But we are a people called by God to reach and connect with and build relationship in this neighborhood. And He's given us a way. He's been giving us a way for a long time. For 25 years, the Lord has been making a way for this church. But He's always doing something new. And it's the job of the leadership of the church to hear the Lord in that and speak it with the people. It's the job of the people to receive that word and decide what they're going to do with it. Decide in our own hearts what we're going to give to the Lord. So as I share, if there's something that you want to write down, again, don't worry about writing everything down. But if there's things that stick out to you, if there's a word that comes and you say, Lord, that's for me. Know that it's within the context of what the Lord has been sharing with the church as a whole. If you don't have paper, that's fine. You want to get out your phone. I won't think you're texting. You can just like, make those notes as we go today. Amen?
Amen. So we're just going to receive some of these things. And then I'm going to show you a whole lot of pictures today. And you're just going to be encouraged by what God has done in us. We're going to build 12 stones. Except I got really excited. And I found 24 stones. And we're, I'm going to show you so many pictures. And you're going to be like, wow, that's right. God made, did at least 24 things with us this year that were significant, that added who we, to who we were, that are in alignment with our values. That help define what it is that we're going to do. That let us know how we're going to do it. So prophetic words that have been prayed over this congregation in the last 18 months. A word about a watering hole. And these things are up here. Historically, this is a word from a gal named Cassandra Hamilton who attends Northwest Church in Federal Way. She visited with us and had this word for us in August of 2018. 18. Historically, many cities were built around sources of water, and they thrived because of it. Cassandra said, I see South Everett Foursquare, small at first, yet thriving in the middle of our desert area. You are marked by the fullness of the Holy Spirit, preaching and teaching and growing in the Word and serving with loving hearts. Changed lives will be the water that draws in so many thirsty people. You will make a place for your neighbors. You will introduce them to the water source who is the Lord. The very nature of water is to sustain, refresh, and grow. This is what will happen as people join you. Drink deeply, be full of the Lord, and see what He will do. These are words about who we are in Christ. A word from Ben Dixon in October of 2018. An uncommon fruit. South Everett Foursquare is a tree producing much fruit. This tree is coming into a season of fruitfulness that is uncommon. I sense the Holy Spirit say this congregation is coming into such a unity that will cause an overwhelming fruitfulness that is uncommon. It is everyone in this place together, in this community. There is something that is happening that is so uncommon concerning the unity that will produce an uncommon fruit in the community. We will be unified and we will be unifiers of the city. The ministry of South Everett Foursquare will be life-giving to the whole city of Everett. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus, that, that you've called us a watering hole, a source of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have said that we're fulfilling your prayer and your, your prayer to the Father that we would be unified. And I thank you for the unity in this body that the leadership of the church spends very, very little time putting out uh, petty indifferences, but we are unified. We want to be more unified in you. Thank you, Jesus. Moving on from that, some things that I saw, some things that the Lord continues to show me. South Everett is a congregation which finds itself at the epicenter of an exciting missional context on Casino Road. That's where we find ourselves. We're in it. Someone said, why aren't you at Everett Gospel Mission from South Everett like you were at Union Gospel Mission from Eastside Foursquare? I said, we don't got to go all the way up there. Eastside Foursquare, where the church met on 145th and Bothell, was surrounded by 100 to 150, well, 1 million to 1.5 million dollar homes. The needs were there, they just weren't accessible, right? I had to go somewhere to find some of that. Guess what? God put a smack dab right here in it to play Yahtzee with kids. And visit them in the hospitals and have lunch with them and welcome anyone who would come in the door and say, How can we serve you today? He put, We don't have to go anywhere. It's nice. We just get to be right here where he's called us in a building that since the 60s has been known by this community as a safe space. We get to meet in it. 
with fancy new floors and new lights and painted walls and washed windows. Thank you, Eric, who got here early and washed the windows for us this morning. Thank you. We are a missional congregation. Mary Reed, from her hospital bed, could not stop talking about two Sundays ago that this is a missional church. I mean, she is like close to death because she can't breathe, and all she's talking about is the mission of God. Hallelujah. Ted, both of you, you understand the DNA of this church. We are defined primarily by our identity in Jesus. Don't forget it. We are defined primarily by our identity as children of God, but secondarily we're defined by what we do in response to the love He's lavished on us. What will we do in response? He loves us anyways, but what will we do in response? How will we respond in the place where He set us because of the work that He's done in us? I get my hair cut with Dab. Talavera, is that how you say it? Danessa's brother. He cuts my hair. Just up on Hardison and Fifth. Sit in a barber chair. It's nice. Like an hour I just sit there and he just cuts my hair. And we talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Seahawks and the Browns. Because he's from Cleveland. He's from Puerto Rico before that. But he tells me stories. I share stories with him. And we're getting to know each other. And one day he just says, what does your church do? In September. He goes, what does your church do? I'm like, what a good question. Someone understands the church is supposed to what? Do something. What's your church do? I love that I didn't have to be like, well, we meet on Sundays. We do meet on Sundays. That's so significant. But that's about who we are. Right? What we do, what are we doing all week long? We're doing a lot, so be encouraged. This is not about getting a bunch of people that aren't doing anything to do something. You're going to see what you did. It's just admonishment to keep going. And it gives us the tools to invite more people into the process. I don't want to make you twice as busy. I want to make twice as many people just as busy as you are. That's what I want to see happen. But we got to know who we are and what we believe and what we want to do and how we want to do it so that we can help others do it. Right? He says, what does your church do? We know who we are in the context of our family gatherings. That makes sense. But how will the community know who we are? By our love, they will know who we are, says the word in 1 John. By our actions, our good works, our community will point to Jesus. Matthew 16, 516. Matthew 516. They will see our good works and point to the Father in heaven. They will know Him because they see us being loved by Him and responding. We are also image bearers, all of us. Children of God are those, according to good theology, are those who have called on the name of the Lord, and they are made children. But everybody, regardless of what they believe or where they are, bear the image of God. They were created by Him, but not yet given to adoption. So we gather and scatter as a church. That's what we do. The church is who. The church is a who, and the who does a lot of what's, but we are a who. We will never stop being the who. This that we do now fuels what Dab is wondering about. And Dab, do you have like three hours to cut my hair? Because I could just tell you. I can tell you what Robert did this year. I can tell you what Hal did this year. I can tell you what Chris Nixon did. And what Colleen did. And what Holly did when she set up a, a whole day retreat for people that are just wrestling under the, the burden and the oppression of mental illness. I can tell you what she did. I can tell you what the mayor does. And what Zach does. 
I tell you about the conversation I had on a bus with Jedediah going to Seattle one day when he blessed me and let me know that the Spirit of God was in him. I tell you about that. I tell you about Paul Roberts getting up at old dark 30 in the rain and just cranking a trailer for 15 weeks so we could meet at a different school. Right? So many things going on. So many good things. But this fuels that. Practically, a few things. That's philosophically who we are. Prophetic words, what we've been called to. But practically, we are a people with healthy leadership. You have a leadership team of nine people, ten people, that give their hearts all day long. Chris Nixon, an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Colleen on her way to getting licensed as a minister. We have Hal in the back who just meets with the kids and prays for the church. And Chris Norby's over there leading the kids and leading worship. And so is Christian. And Brenda's in Texas getting a few days off. Praise God, she gets a few days off. That's really great. Katrina's there. I mean, she's just supporting me and keeping me in line because I'm a hot mess. And she's just, you know, like, it's her job of the church is keep me in line. Danessa opens the doors to hospitality. Ryan Sims works with men and prays and leads. And Brian Holmes, who we got to see a little bit last week, has been on his back, recovering from a back injury going on three months, helps oversee our facilities. It's a team that seeks the heart of God for us. It's a team that loves Jesus. We have a healthy leadership team. We have healthy finances. You're going to hear about that next week as part two. We'll show you the bottom line. You can always see the bottom line here, but we have healthy finances. Again, this year, we increased our budget in faith and exceeded it by 12% and gave half of the 12% away. And we're just asking the Lord to keep giving to us so that we can give away. You'll hear about that next week. Our internal relationships are healthy. Colleen told me when we came here, this was the healthiest church she'd ever been in. I said, we'll see. She was right. This is a healthy people. This is a folks that loves to be together. Right? We have healthy internal relationships. We have healthy external relationships with our neighbors. We have a healthy relationship with our resourcing congregation, Mill Creek Foursquare, that covers our, you know, we, we cover ourselves, man. We're independent, right? And the Lord provides for us. But they count our money for us. They help with the website. They just provide some covering, some leadership for us. We have a healthy relationship with them. We have a healthy relationship with the 15 other Snohomish County Foursquare churches in South, South Snohomish County. We have healthy relationships with other congregations through organizations like Everett Faith in Action and a monthly prayer gathering of pastors. We have healthy relationships with Connect Casino Road and the Village Partners. These are those that may not ascribe to faith right now, but we are in healthy partnership with them, figuring out really important differences and how to get along in the midst of really important differences. And a great meeting with the CEO of the Community Foundation of Snohomish County this week, who's just like, what? who are you people? I'm like, let me tell you about us. And we, just, like, we laughed and we cried and we had this conversation and it was beautiful. And there's a space for us here. We have healthy relationships with Casino Road Kids Ministries and Youth for Christ City Life. Relationships, healthy relationships, it's everything. And in all of that, we desire to be present and available. We are a present and available church. Ted, I told you I'd pick on you today. All right? I did it once. Here's the second one. 
Ted and Mary Reed model, have modeled, have lived in this community for 40 some odd years. And for years just welcomed children into their home. They didn't run big programs and do all sorts of things. But if a kid needed a place to stay, there were blankets and pillows at the end of the couch and they could come. They're present and available. I mean, just, let's just be the Ted and Mary Reed people, right? Well, with the Jesus people, but like they're our example, right? We're Jesus people. We're starting a cult, Ted. <clears throat> but I want to love like Ted and Mary Reed. I just want to be present and available. I don't have an agenda except to love really well. And be the presence of Jesus in this neighborhood that brings transformation. That's it. However that happens. I, you know, we couldn't write the story, could we? It'll happen. But we are present and available. If you want to tell your church, if you want to tell your community about your church, what's your church like? Oh, we're present and available. So it means we're here. We don't come up with competing programs. We don't need some big youth ministry because... Twice a week, a youth ministry meets in here with kids who need mothers and fathers in the faith. That's all we got to do. We ain't got to pay for that. We can do it with City Life. We can do it with Youth for Christ. We can do it with Casino Road Kids Ministries. Tyrone's working with the principal over at uh, Horizon right now. Say Lapan, who attends New Life Foursquare right up the street. What's the big need over there right now? Well, we just have some... If some adults could come and read to our kids once a week for a half hour, that would be amazing. Just sit in the library and read to a kid. Nobody reads to a kid. Not nobody, but more people could be reading to kids. We could do that. Just be present and available. Show up and read. So that's who we are, right? I got, a, I got ahead of myself I could do. I was talking about what we could do, who we are. And what we value. This is really important. This is stuff I'll send you this week via email if you want it. We have five core values. We did a whole series on it. It's going to review the statements and just let it wash over you. And you'll forget it. And that's okay. And we'll keep saying it. We value sacred relationships. We're committed to healthy and vibrant family-centered relationships, both with God and with others. We value courageous belief. We are bold in our belief that the gospel transforms lives. We value the neighborhood and the city. As South Everett Foursquare missionaries, we serve as agents of shalom or peace, seeking the welfare of our neighborhood and city. We value diversity of peoples. We seek the development of a diverse congregation reflecting the diversity of our community. A little more on that. We value a culture that is informed and influenced by a multitude of ages, ethnicities, socioeconomic, educational in experiential backgrounds. We are people who collectively understand our greatest common denominator to be a spiritual poverty remedied only by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We value signs and wonders. We believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us today. That's, that's the value that's why we do everything we do. Your leadership team is committed to going back to this as a constitution of sorts that we receive from the Lord that says, does what we're about to do fit with that? Or does it need to be reimagined? Does it need to be investigated? Does it need to be poked and prodded at? Because the further we go and the more that we do, if we don't stay tied to what God said to us, then we'll lose our way. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of adversity. And so what are we to do? Big picture, imagery, painting on the wall. We are to expose darkness. 
We are to breathe life on the dreams of people who are here and raise up spiritual sons and daughters in the faith. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do. Expose what's in the dark. Breathe life on the dreams that already exist. Kids in this neighborhood don't need dreams. They need someone to believe in their dreams. And they don't need me to tell them how to do it. They need me to ask very good questions that awakens their imagination and applauds them as they go forward and tell them that we are there on our knees praying for them as they go. That's it. You don't even tell what anybody what to do. I've learned that. My wife's like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I love that about her. I ain't going to tell her what to do. Don't tell anyone what to do. Don't tell them what to do. Ask good questions. Raise up spiritual sons and daughters. So more practically, what does that mean that we're actually going to do? Let's do something. Well, we're going to pray and worship. We're going to engage in biblical teaching. And we're going to provide community and good care. Those three things. They're bolded because that's what the Bible says you've got to do. That's what Acts 2 says that you have to do. What makes a church? Well, the church gathered together and they studied the word. And they prayed together. And they ate together. And they did fun things together. As far as the Bible is concerned, that's what makes the church. So you can do a whole lot of stuff. But so long as these things are in place, then where are we going to apply that to? Well, we're going to apply those ideas of prayer and worship and biblical teaching and living in community and visiting each other in the hospitals. We're going to do that stuff with children and youth. We're going to do it locally with missions. We're going to do it globally with missions. Thank you, Chris Nixon, for taking a 15-hour plane ride on Tuesday to go do that around the world. Together, you've heard about this. We're going to steward the vision and congregational priorities. It matters that we stay on point. We're a family, but it doesn't mean we can't be strategic to accomplish great things. Strategy matters. We're going to develop and we're going to commission and we're going to send leaders. We're going to take care of the budget and the calendar and communications. These are things that we're going to do. And I'm going to show you some places we've already been doing it. This is the fun part. It's not like we have to just like, church, we're not doing this. We've got to start doing this. We're doing it. I just want you to see it. And I want you to begin to identify where these things that you hear about are taking place. This is a collage of most of everything that happened with us in 2019. Look at that. Look at all of that. Look at all that God led us into. The best of 2019. This is where we lay the stones. This is where God is preparing a way and stopping up a river for us to go into a new place of promise. And we will do it again and again and again. But it's so important that we stop and look back and remember to be encouraged before we go forward. This matters to me. Because sometimes if the enemy gets his way with me, I'm thinking, what did I do this week? I can't even remember what I did this week. I'm so tired. Anyone have one of those? I know it was good, but I can't remember. And if I get really discouraged, and I'm in here early, and I'm setting up chairs and signs and all the rest of that, and I was joking with David at 7.30 this morning, if we don't do this, all we're going to think we did was set up and tear down these stupid chairs 52 times this year. The enemy can say, you're not doing anything of lasting effort. And we can say, no way, bro. Check it out. Look at these stones, right? Right? So let's look at some of these. Let's look at some of these. In January, five of us went with 13 others from Mill Creek Foursquare to Ranchos de Sus Niños, which is an orphanage in Tecate, Mexico. And we spent time with children and we painted walls and we went to Studio Del Creador for their 10th anniversary. 
which is a music and art studio that also preaches the gospel to children. We got to send people, children, youth, engaging in the missions field in other countries. Next slide. This is going to move fast. We got, (laughs) praise the Lord, we got a Connex box to store our stuff safely. This is a big deal because sometimes at 7.30 in the morning when we're working with this garden shed, we'd show up and all of our stuff would look like that. Because someone had broken into it in the night and had rifled through it looking to stuff to sell to buy drugs. And so we'd show up and be wet and all our stuff would just be out. And I'm like, we can't do this. So David Grove started researching and, we, and they brought it on a truck last January. And bam, now we have a box and it's organized. And all of the stuff that is here lives there and it's safe. More stuff. <laughs> Snowmageddon, remember that? When they say, you can't have church this week, it snowed too much. And we say, we can have church. We are the church. And thanks for the internet. We'll have church online. This was really fun. You didn't see this, but who was there for that service online? Anybody? So Caleb, this is just fun. Caleb built me um, this, this little, uh, it has this, what did I do? Oh, man. David, I unplugged it. I plugged it in. We're good? Is it going to come? It'll take a second. But now I'm showing pictures right now. Takes a little takes a minute. It's probably probably good that I just stop and breathe. Getting so excited. There we go. There we go. The bulb's hot, right? He built me that little thing to hold my phone so I could share and snow again. That was really fun. The church was able to meet even though it snowed. Uh, in March, we took 14 men and women from this congregation and went into the city of Seattle to be the light and the hope of the city of Seattle when Eric Johnson on Como 4 News was saying at the very same time that Seattle was dying. He was saying all of that and 14 people went to live with the poor and discover a common poverty in Pioneer Square and in Rainier Valley and build relationships with men and women in recovery. Some of those people are still connecting. Some of those people are still connecting and engaging in relationship with the urban poor. We had a chance to go and do those things. We had Taco Palm Sunday, right? Just such a huge celebration, community, and care. We had our Good Friday celebration in this room. And we had a ton of kids from City Life who were building relationship with show up. There's the urban plunge pictures. We took a whole bunch of kids. We're on the right page now. Go, go ahead. Next one. Next page. There we go. We took a whole bunch of kids who showed up. No, back one. Sorry. We took a whole bunch of kids that showed up that night and just went to DQ afterwards to celebrate the work that Jesus died for, did for us. So we had tacos. We had DQ. It was awesome celebrating those things. We had an Easter celebration. Look at Chris Norby. Isn't that fun? There's Ted. Kids in the congregation, everyone in the... If you're a kid in this congregation, your house got egged, right? With little eggs just all over the yard. To teach the truth of Jesus that the eggs are empty because the tomb is empty. Savannah and Caleb still talk about that and are excited already when it comes in just a few weeks. Heaven help me, Easter's on the way. Next thing, we added two new members to our leadership team. While two members handed off positions, David Grove handed off responsibility... 
to Brian Holmes and facilities. And Colleen Grove handed off responsibility to Danessa with hospitality. And we're raising up more leaders and finding more stuff to do and be involved with. Our team is meeting, go back for a minute, our team is meeting with a gentleman named Dave Koblen, who's right in the middle of that picture in the top left. He's, he's someone that we've brought on strategically, retained as a congregation to help us set our lead obje- leadership, leadership objectives correctly. And he spent time meeting with our team and, and, and hanging out with us, which is great. We had baptisms this year. Vaughn got baptized, right? Nathan Erickson got baptized. Isaac got baptized. I didn't get the picture in there, but we had a baby dedication for the Safflor family. Their itty-bitty little baby, Kelzia, got dedicated in their home with this huge Filipino spread of food. Oh my goodness, it was incredible. We had graduations. We graduated like 12 City Life students from Mariner High School. It was incredible. Because of your faithful giving, each one of those students was able to receive a really, really nice study Bible. To be able to take with them into the next season of their life. I got to take, this was church. We had church in the Olympic Mountains for four days this summer. And a kid gave his life to Jesus. Because we prayed together. We studied the word together. We ate together. And we hiked up and down mountains together. And a kid came to Jesus. Because of the combined partnership with Hand in Hand Ministries, Youth for Christ Ministries, Casino Road Kids Ministries, in Peak 7 Ministries, with South Everett Foursquare Ministries, the body uniting, coming together for uncommon fruit, to see uncommon things happen where kids can meet Jesus in the hills and the mountains. Amen? VBS! $4,000 was raised, not from this congregation, but from people that say, hey, I want a part of that, to raise money so that every kid could leave with a Bible. Four days we gathered together as kids from this church and kids from this community came together and worshipped Jesus with partnerships with Mill Creek Foursquare Church and New Life Center and other congregations coming together in partnership with the Everett Police Department and Parks Department who gave us the park for free because they love that we're loving the city well. Great things are happening there. Man, we took kids to youth camp. We took kids to Spokane. A bunch of kids making commitments for Jesus and growing in faith. And Richie getting a chance to play cornhole together. You know what kids want? They want to spend time with you. We finished playing cornhole. He whooped me, man. He whooped me. And he looked at me. He just says, hey, thanks for hanging out with me. It takes a village. (laughs) Right? There are some people in this congregation that I feel like my kids are more excited to spend time with than me. That's just the parent thing, right? We get to be that for one another, right? We get to be that because I'm not Richie's dad. And Sam ain't Caleb's dad. But if we work together, we can be hip, bro, right? (laughs) Just get somebody else's kid in front of you and throw a bag around at a board. Camp was awesome. (laughs) Did you forget about the mobile church, the South Everett Four Square Roadshow. You may have forgot it like you forgot the first three weeks of your kid's life because it was so traumatic, all the crying and the lack of sleep. <laughs> this happened over 15 weeks in seven different locations with three different congregations we got to worship with as this building got transformed. It's still in the process of transformation, but we learned that God is not an at, He's a with. He's not a where, He's a who. We learned this together. Next page. We gathered for barbecues in the park twice, and it wasn't nice either day, but we still had a really nice time. 
we got together and Chris Norby couldn't keep score and I lost my temper, but like, it's all good. Because my daughter won a trophy. She reminded me this morning. She won a trophy. Mr. Tyrone. We had a men's advance. We took 12 guys from the church away for a few, week, for a few days with Mill Creek Foursquare. And we worshiped together. Go back. Go back. Go back. Right. And then we found other ways to gather too, not just at retreats, but sometimes on kayaks early in the morning with, with Jim Sleeth and with Ryan Sims and just be in the church together out where he puts us. Next up. Hmm. A youth group was formed. A youth ministry was formed. Bringing kids together, taking trips to concerts in Bellingham and trick-or-treating together and having fun at City Life. Youth groups are coming together. They're integrating. People want to spend time together. Chris Nixon, Pastor Chris Nixon got ordained. And the new president of the denomination Foursquare was like on the stage and handed her thing. Like that, not everybody gets that, Chris. So that was pretty cool. Randy Remington doing that with her that day. But at Eastside Foursquare Church gathering together, we had a little church. We had church in homes. Our greatest attended service this year outside of Easter and Christmas was the weekend we met together in homes. Figure that. We're going to do it again. We had shout-outs. We gathered in this room. We eat together. And then we, some of us went and gathered with all these students down at Camp Sambica on Lake Sammamish. We gathered together, and we ate, and we played football. It was awesome. Gathering together. We wrote notes to veterans at Seattle's VA. I got to talk with the chaplain, and I spread all those things out before we sent them down. I just took a picture because there's some cool things that are written on here. Thank you for protecting our country, C-O-N-T-R-I-E. Thank you for serving. Just thank you. Yeah. Yeah, some good stuff up there. Smiley faces. Thank you for fighting for us. F-I-T-E-I-N-G. Beautiful notes that blessed veterans who are fighting for their lives in hospitals. Yeah. Christmas. Got to wear my red suit. Thirty-four ninety-nine. 70% off. My wife told me just buy the blazer. I said, that is not even a nice blazer. I'm going to do full ugly. <laughs> Look at all those kids. Those are kids that are saying, hey, thanks for spending time with me. Those kids are worshiping all over this building right now. They put on Christmas presentations for us and make funny faces in front of photo walls. quite a year the things he's done it matters to count the stones to take a look and remember where it is he sent us so we know where we're going so just pause on that what what did God do in you this year who did he introduce you to who's a friend now that wasn't a friend then because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ he wants to do more Not so that we can get shiny stars or bragging rights. He just wants to do more with us, in us, to build deep relationship and friendship so that it would compel others to come. Hey, what's going on over there? Can I be a part of that? We had a rule when we were at the mission. We do urban plunges, and we go with a dozen guys who know nobody in the program. 
But as we had relationship with each other, as we modeled healthy relationship with one another, it showed healthy relationship to other people. And the rule was when someone was compelled to enter healthy relationship and they said, can we come? Can we be a part of this? The rule was that every man in the circle would take a half step back. And now there's room for 13 and 14 and 20. Step on more stuff. Turn more things off. That's what we do. We just take a step back and welcome people in. Wherever they're at in their process, we just love people towards the truth of Jesus by the grace of Jesus. And as long as it takes, we will love the longest. That's where the church can repent. We've come up short in our loving because people didn't change fast enough. We will love the longest and we will embrace the fullness of love, the truth of love, and the grace of love. And guess what? It's going to be hard. Because it would be easier to slide to the right or the left and just throw your hands up. We will stay in the trenches with Jesus. We will do hard things. We will love the longest. I watched Vaughn love for a long time last week at Children's Hospital. I watched him love a long time. And I'm inspired by my mentor. Because Vaughn mentors me in a lot of ways. And I come to engage him with this kid. I'm like, Vaughn, I don't even know what I'm doing here. How do I help here? Help me. Right? And we flip the corners and flip the switch. And I get a chance to be the mentor. And he gets to be the mentor. And that's mutuality because Jesus is king. And we move towards him. Right? So we did all that. That was really great. We talked about these priorities. And everything that you saw up there fit into one of these categories of prayer and worship, biblical teaching, community and care, children's and youth, global and local mission. Did you see it? It fits into those categories. How do we do it? This work can get really complicated, but we're going to keep it really simple. This is how we do it. This is a simple, present, and available church. We are not trying to become New Life Center. We are not trying to become Mill Creek Foursquare. They care for us. We couldn't do what we do without them. We're in great relationship. But because they are them, we can be us. And we are different. Not better, just unique. We get to do different stuff. And so how will we do it? Very simple. We're going to meet in big groups like this. It matters that you come to this, not for attendance purposes, but because we do business here. We grow together in vision here. We worship. We contend against the darkness here. We provide a place for people to walk into relationship here. But that can't happen unless this room is alive and vibrant. So every week, no matter what. And you know what? I just don't care about church attendance. I just, I'm so over people apologizing to me that they didn't come to church. But I do it to my dentist when I don't come to him enough. So like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> no judgment. But like, let's stop. I skip church. Here's a confession. When I'm not here on vacation, I don't go anywhere. I just sit on a Sunday. <laughs> right? Skip a service every once in a while. It's good for your soul, I think. I can't prove that theologically. But it might be right. I'm just saying be here because you belong here, not because you have to be here or someone's keeping attendance. Just be here because you want to be. We gather in small groups. I don't care what that looks like either. Except for Tuesday nights, you can come and contend in prayer. You can come be with a kid. My small group this week was six high school kids in the back of this room playing Yahtzee. Caring for each other. Learning about each other's lives. Sending kids out and walk around the courtyard because they couldn't stop laughing. 
<laughs> just go take a walk, man. Just go take a walk and come back. And we spend some time talking about love, and they draw pictures, and they tell me things about Jesus I didn't know. Right? Sometimes we go on kayaks. Sometimes we take a car ride. Sometimes Jim goes over to Rich's house and lifts something that Rich can't lift without breaking his back on his own. So, like, what does small group look like? It just looks like being together. So we gather in big groups, we gather in small groups, and then we find our place in the neighborhood. That's all this church is going to do. What's your church do when Dab, we can go get a haircut from Dab. What's your church do? Oh, we gather in big groups, we gather in small groups, and then we find our place in the neighborhood. What's that look like? Glad you asked. Thank you so much. We find our place in a beautiful neighborhood, just like Mr. Rogers did, just like Fred. We know and we are known. But in order to love the neighborhood, we must touch the neighborhood. We must meet our neighbors. Right now, I'm getting to know Steve. Steve lives in the bluffs. And every Sunday morning, and maybe more, but I just see him on Sundays, he stands at the bus stop to catch the bus down Casino Road to Everett Mall Way, where he flies a sign for a while to raise a little extra money to support the money that comes in. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. But there's Steve. He's got the print of Jesus on him. He's actually a child of God because he prays for me. But he catches that bus at 9.48 a.m. every week. So if I don't leave here by 9.35 to get up there, I don't get to see Steve and talk about the Raiders and pray for a minute. That's where Steve's at, catching the bus, going down. We touch our neighbors. We're chaplains in the neighborhood. The challenge that I posed back in September, we'll pose it again and keep posing it, is what if we all had one person? What if in 2020 we all had one person like Steve who was a part of the neighborhood who didn't, wasn't, our relationship with them wasn't contingent whether they walked into this room from 1030 to noon on Sundays? But just that they were here and they, they mattered and we matter because we're present and available for Steve and others. What if we all had one Steve, one Sally, one Jen in our lives from this neighborhood? That we're in genuine enough relationship with that they would call us at a moment of crisis or celebration. That's it. Just call us. Thanks for sharing that with me. Right? Maybe they come and join this fellowship. Maybe they don't. But guess what? God's bigger than all of that. Because we're present and available. This rhymes. It's real easy. People and places. Names and faces. Rhythms of life. Say that. People and places. Names and faces. Rhythms of life. People and places, names and faces, rhythms of life. People and places, names and faces, rhythms of life. People and places, names and faces, rhythms of life. That's how you find your place in the neighborhood. Names like Jose or Johnny or April at City Life or Jen or Steve out on the corner at the bus stop. Fabio at El Dorado. Zach the barista at Starbucks or Carl who checks the groceries at Fred Meyer. You start with one, you're going to have a whole team of friends out there. Know your neighbors. Present and available. That's what this church does. When I sit with other social do-gooders in room and talk about being a social do-gooder, I say, that what makes your church? What's your church do? Oh, we, we learn the names of people. And then I tell stories. Because City Life, sorry, Child Strive has moved out of the space that they still own. They have a new office. Some of that staff is grieving because they know people, places, names, and faces, and rhythms of life of the people in our neighborhood. And they don't get to be in this neighborhood anymore. So when I share a story about the neighborhood, last Tuesday, in this room, one of those social do-gooders starts to cry because they're just glad that someone is there to fill the gap for that name and face. Jesus. It's Him. It's only Him. We change 
the understanding, the perception of the local church by just doing what Jesus did. So this isn't a call for us to do more stuff. Please just know you are loved right where you're at. I'm not trying to get you to do more heavens. We probably did too much. That's my fault. Sorry, I drug you too fast. I do that. Sorry. I'll do it again. Just, just know. Just tell me when to stop, okay? It's 12. I have to stop. Just know that these things, these values, these priorities, these rhythms of life, this big gathering, little gathering, find our place in the neighborhood, that's it. I'm going to keep saying it. We're going to keep saying it until we each can say it enough to just do it without thinking about it. Because that's how disciples are made. When we can teach someone else to do something without thinking about it, like laying their life down. right? Jesus got his disciples so prepared that 11 of the 12 died a death similar to him. Because his message was, lay your life down. And then they did it without thinking about it. And they probably thought about it, but they did it. They didn't hesitate enough to pull back from it. Right? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for vision. Lord, thank you that you would entrust each of us in this room to receive this. God, this room, everyone could stand in this room and talk for an hour about how God is using them in this neighborhood. We could, and let's share it with each other. Let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's do it together. Thank you for what you're already doing. Lord, give us spaces to rest and receive so that we can go and and do it again, not because we have to, but because we're compelled by love. We're compelled by your generosity. Sweet Jesus, fill us again with the power of your Spirit. Help us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Hmm. Lord, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your calling. God, we pray that you would expand our influence. Expand the tent poles, stretch them out, put them down. That more would know you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer today, uh, Chris Nixon, we've prayed for her. She agrees to pray for us back. It's kind of cool how that works. Uh, Chris is available for prayer. Colleen is available for prayer. David is available for prayer. Hal is available for prayer. Um, everyone else, you can pray too. Like just, But just know that if you don't know anyone you need someone to talk to, those four are available. Go with God. We'll see you soon. Have a great week. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.